Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from Xgrowth. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures, or as we like to call them, hard-learned lessons. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. That's enough from me though. Let's dive right in. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with Xgrowth. And today I'm talking to Haley Hopwood, Head of Growth, Australia and New Zealand at Stripe about her experience building a sales development team at Stripe, the do's and don'ts and the lessons that, uh, that, that she and her team learned throughout that journey. Haley, thanks for joining us. No, thank you. That's well, great to have you. I'm I'm really excited to talk about this. This is a uh, this is definitely a a, a area of, of passion for me as well. Now I know at Stripe you call the team that you're you're building, or we're talking about OBA OBAs, right? Can you can you tell us what OBA stands for and what what it is? Sure. So uh, it's relatively new um, and the OBA role is an outbound associate. So basically we deem them uh, uh, or that team the pre-sales growth engine of, of sales. So they're really responsible for sourcing data and segmenting it into certain campaigns or bespoke messaging to, to go out and look for prospects. So it's a pure hunting role um, and the intent is for that sort of early stage funnel management piece, so converting leads into opportunities that then get passed over to the AEs, which is our sales team, um, to then validate and close out. Interesting. So so they have the responsibility of both sourcing and also going after them and, and trying to close, uh, trying to uh, open up those doors. Is that is that right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Yep. Got it. Yep. I mean, what, you know, why why did you develop this role in the first place like how, what what happened in the organization that you know that this became a focus and an area of, of development yeah i think there's a few things like firstly we've we're moving into like a mindset of outbounding is really the calisthenics of Stripe. So, you know, when I think back to when we first landed in Australia, uh, Stripe came around seven years ago and it was purely inbound. And it was a small team that's rapidly expanding at the moment. But the channel was always really strong for inbound. You know, we really serve a diverse, like coming into the building, uh, coming into the organisation 18 months ago, it really struck me at the diversity of businesses that we bring on board. So anything from, you know, your B2C business right through to sort of SaaS platforms and enterprises serving B2C or B2B, wholesalers, marketplaces, you know, sort of startups as well, which is uh, our bread and butter that transform and and head into hyper growth that end up in, in enterprise land. So, you know, when I joined, we sort of reviewed this inbound channel and we could see some of Australia's largest household brands, you know, coming and finding us. So it sort of just got us thinking, well, what could we achieve if we actually had a targeted strategy and focused on certain segments? And and that was about 18 months ago. So, yeah, we, we just thought it was time. Right. Okay. Okay. I, I, lo- I love it. Well, why do you call it the, uh, the calisthenics of, of Stripe? I think it's just a muscle that just needs constant exercising. You know, you can do a, an array of things within your sales profession, but 
you know, the one thing that will always hold you in good stead is is that outbounding piece um, and just really nurturing it and developing it and constantly being aware of how to iterate on it is probably one of the most fundamental parts of any sales professional. I love it. I love it. Okay. Let's talk about, let's talk about hiring because I feel like the whole outbound uh, and, and kind of sales development role is, is probably not as developed here in Australia as it is maybe in the US where, you know, outbound work has been going on for a long time. I mean, there has been, there has been some work in Australia as well, but maybe not as sophisticated or, or structured as it is in the US, right? So, so I think a lot of people have hard time hiring for these roles and, and who to look for and what kind of characteristics they should look for. Because, you know, it's, it's hard to say, all right, you were an SDR there, you know, we, we're trying to hire an SDR as well. And in some cases that's possible, but, you know, still because it, I feel like because the market is maturing, that level of, um, that level of easy identification is not there. What do you look for when you're trying to hire someone for a, uh, for an OBA role? Firstly, it's really interesting that you highlight that because when we were looking for our initial candidate, it took us months. There was just, and and we had a, a really st- a strict uh, set of criteria that we were looking for because it was a net new role. But now, fast forwarding 18 months, I've noticed that the pool of people that have come in are really still uh, quite uh, experienced in some regards but there's a lot more of them. So yeah, back 18 months ago, we were looking for someone that had experience, someone who presented with super high prospecting confidence and had that sort of mindset of, you know, targets, numbers, and really performance driven, which which is fine. They're sort of attributes that you would expect in that role, but because it was net new, we were really helping. We we're really hoping to find someone that could help us build out that strategy and that framework piece. So, you know, sort of asking a lot from from a candidate. Yeah. So, I think it took us a long time to find that person. So, we kind of changed the way that we interviewed when we were looking to hire, and we conducted around six different interviews, and that was across the range of the business. So, across all of APAC from you know, a couple of leaders right through to other AEs. So we could really get a different viewpoint on the characteristics that we were trying to find. So, you know, how was their pitch? What was their critical thinking and analytical thinking style like? What sort of sales instincts did they just have as a part of their DNA? Did they have any uh, technical capabilities? And and also just holistically, how would they approach this role? And we still have that interview process today. So it's still, you know, quite intense for any candidates to, you know, be interviewed at Stripe. It takes a long period of time. But given the diversity of the people that were doing that interview, it really created this collaborative approach when we all got back together to discuss that candidate's strengths and weaknesses. So, you know, from a hiring manager's perspective, I was able to look for consistencies within the other interviews and also patterns in behaviour. So it was really fundamental for me to make that decision based on everyone else's um, sort of calibration. It's really important to get this right, particularly seeing it was a net new hire for me. So, yeah, we've since gone on to employ another, well, the first OBA has moved into a sales role and we've since gone on to hire another three OBAs as well. So whilst that uh, interview process has remained, uh, I think the the diversity of people that are coming through the door just even 18 months later has has been significant. 
All right. I see. Are there, you know, are there past experiences that right now really grabs your attention? Like, you know, you, you're talking to someone and you see something in their resume and you're like, I really want to have a chat to this person. This could potentially be a really good candidate. Are there like these, these quick tips that, uh, that, that you've come across? Look, I look for probably tech backgrounds as well, like that fast moving environment that Stripe, like Stripe moves at, at, at a mega speed. So just being able to live and breathe in that space comfortably without sort of being stressed, I, I kind of look out for. Also, when I am interviewing, not so necessarily on a CV, I look for like organisational skills. For the OBA, there's just so much diversity within the role, you know, sort of pre-building out campaigns, you know, the, the calisthenics, so actually doing the outbounding and then following it up and, you know, just being really transparent with yourself and being able to articulate quickly, you know, what's worked, what hasn't, what do I need to do more or less of? And I think that that comes with a lot of time management. So, you know, I really look out for someone who's able to prioritize and, and manage their time accordingly for this role. Got it. All right. You mentioned, you mentioned what, you know, you, you, you wanted to have a look and for them to understand what's working, what's not working, uh, which kind of, it's a great segue to the next question. Bill, trying to build the OBA team. Tell us a little bit about some of the mistakes that you and the team have made in, in, at, at the, in, the, you know, in the early months. I think it goes back to your point where it's more established in other regions. So being a global org, we kind of just relied on the global data and made that assumption that it would work well in Australia and New Zealand. So I think we spent a bit of time just reassessing what that truly looked like and how clean the data was for Australia and how, how purposeful it was. So in those first couple of months, it was really around sourcing the tools that we needed in Australia to actually sort of get that information. It's all about the pre-work uh, with the OBA role, about building those campaigns, finding the right people. And I think we, we underestimated the time that that would take. You know, it's still a work in progress today. I don't think any business has it has it nailed down, but at least it's working at a much more optimal speed. And I think the other thing, and, you know, we sort of have a saying at Stripe where we kind of fly the plane whilst we're building it. So, um, you know, going back to the actual outbounding piece, it's like how do we follow up and how do we automate that process so it's just not... Uh, as labor intensive as what it what it what it has been in the past. So it's really about, you know, how what sort of touch points do we want? Five five touch points, seven touch points. Uh, how are we going to engage? Is it via telephone, LinkedIn? Is it a short video message that we're getting a lot of traction with now that resonates with individuals? And really building out that data set around personas like who are you targeting is it going to is the messaging going to resonate with them if it's a CFO it needs to be sort of financial driven if it's the CTO what tech stack is going to resonate with them and how is it going to add value it's having those sort of pieces and it's all that pre-work that really goes into you know the fundamentals of getting everything right and I think that you know just rolling that out just for any organization just takes time the other thing I think as we sort of you know, a couple of quarters in was really around, you know, you can't monitor if you, you can't measure if you can't monitor. So it was like integrating those tools back into our CRM to making to make sure that, you know, the salespeople could actually see what the OBAs are doing. And, you know, that's getting reiterated upon as well. And, and I think 
the last call out I would say, and it's not necessarily a mistake, but it's something that we just had to be really mindful of, given the kind of calibre of people that we employ, is what does the target look like? And we didn't know what we didn't know, you know, when we rolled this out 18 months ago. So rather than having, you know, the longevity of a target that a normal sales cycle would have, it was like, okay, quarterly we'll set goals to work out, you know, what kind of lead numbers that we could get, what was that pipeline value look like? And I guess, you know, what what is the expectation depending on where that person sort of sits within the organisation um, is a realistic target. Uh, I think that that takes time to work out too. Yeah, those are, I mean, those are all very interesting points. I want to, I want to, dig into all of them. So, I mean, the data one is really interesting because most of the, you know, a lot of the information or kind of best practices that we get are either North American or coming from UK, where just like you said, there's a plethora of tools and, you know, data, how to get emails, how do you, you know, dig up information on a, on a potential prospect. There, a lot of that is available there. And, uh, and when you come to Australia, and if somebody's if somebody has that experience and is gonna you know make that recommendation for Australia, it's all of a sudden like, no, we we don't have that. That's not uh, that's not available here. Do you think that is gonna that's gonna stay as a responsibility of of OBAs? The reason I ask is sometimes I've seen that that responsibility is separated where. Uh, one team is responsible for really finding and 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 digging through data and, and finding the right one, and then there is one that is kind of responsible for outreach and outbound, so that they kind of keep that momentum up and it doesn't get uh, diluted by, okay, now I have to sit down and for another two days just dig up information. You know, what is what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think. And it depends on where the OBA is positioned. So, you know, sort of as I mentioned before, we're breaking it out into we've got three uh, OBAs uh, in 18 months. And, you know, one is focused on sort of that startup SMB community, uh, which is more around sort of that campaign managing. Uh, we need to have the data enriched by sales ops, like somebody else to be able to get long lists where we can, you know, we, we can go to the masses. Uh, as we sort of go into our digital native space, which is businesses that are born in the cloud and have a natural affiliation to Stripe, and then also enterprise, it's more that bespoke messaging. It's it's more tailored. It's more one-on-one work with a, an AE to work out, okay, what industries are we wanting to go after? What's that key messaging? Who should we target? You know, and uh, multiple stakeholders within the account. So to a certain degree, I think a lot of the data should sit within sort of the sales operations uh, and data science to clean it and cleanse it and make sure that it's all there. But then at a tactical level, if you're going for that more bespoke messaging, it's sort of, it needs to be done in conjunction with a, a sales rep to actually understand the nuances and, and where the messaging is going to resonate. I don't think you can rely on data science to, to give you that uh, that depth that you need to win the, you know, those sort of larger, larger businesses. Got it. Got it. So as it, as it, as it, as you kind of go up market, you start to put more of that emphasis on the, on the OBA and the sales team rather than external uh, party providing that and external could be also within the organization, but outside of the sales sales team. Right. Let's touch on cadence. I mean, you talked about video working a lot right now. Tell me a little bit about that. 
I know. Uh, the the OBA that we've just recently employed gave me a video message for, for the interview for the role and it and it worked. Yeah, we're we're finding a lot of a lot of traction uh, through short video messaging via LinkedIn. So really personalized 30 seconds, if that, messaging around what Stripe can do to help certain businesses, whether it be a news article that we've aligned it to or whether we know that we're just a really, really sound fit, um, we're finding that that strike rate from video messaging, you know, be really valuable. Like really oh, and that's so that 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 is used in 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 conjunction with LinkedIn. Is that is that right? Like through a personal message on LinkedIn. What about through email? Do you is that something that you you, or it, it not really through email as well, but we're seeing a bit more traction come through LinkedIn. So yes, it can be done either way. But at the moment, we're seeing probably more, yeah, more results coming through LinkedIn. Even a, res- a decline response is, you know, sometimes you you tend to d- just get crickets. That's not foreign to anyone in an OBA role. Um, where with the video messaging, it's like love the video. Now's not a good time, or you know, whatever. There's the results are you know really sound, even if it's if it's a, a, a thank you but not now. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's just so refreshing compared to, especially on LinkedIn, compared to all the you know, all the messages that you get, all the automated bot messages that you get that, you know, hey, we're a development company in India and we're trying to sell you something or we're a lead generation organization and we can get you leads for those, you know, and then there, you you go in a sequence and you look at it and you're like, yeah, I'm totally, you know, this is totally automated versus a bespoke message that you even say the person's name in there and they're like, really, you made that for me? No, I, I, I love that. I love that. It's really good. You talked about targeting as the as the third uh, or, or the last component that you mentioned um, in terms of sorry, not targeting, but what what is the target of the of the sales team, right? And uh, and how per quarter per whether it's remuneration per quarter, whether it's you know the the numbers that you're looking at. What are some of the advice that you you'd have for someone who is trying to figure out? The you know how do I put the commission structure in place for for a for a sales development or an OBA role? Do you have any advice on on that front? Yeah, I think as as we sort of go well as as we sort of segment our teams and the OBAs will follow. I think it's really it's been really insightful to actually dig a bit deeper into all of those different areas. So for an for someone who's working in startups and in SNB the the pipeline volume might not be as great but they might have a better strike rate for creating leads into opportunities so therefore you know that has to be taken into consideration when you're getting your target attainment so it might be you know much more a higher sqos or what we call sales generated leads as opposed to a lower pipeline value but when you move uptown into enterprise we find that that's a lot lower so it's been really hard having just the one oba for the 18 months to work out, okay, well, what's what's that threshold and how much time are you going to be spending in this segment as opposed to that segment? So it's being really thoughtful in, in that approach. I think also if you're wanting to tier, I think when you get into sort of more mid-market and enterprise tiering works, like what's what's the, you know, tier one, tier two, tier three strategy? Um, and those, and you can align sort of the, the SQOs along, you know, the tiering system as well. So I think that that 
you know, creates a little bit more clarity around target setting because, you know, to, to land a tier one is going to take a lot longer, but it's going to be a much greater pipeline value than a tier three business. They could be in the same industry. It's just that, you know, they're just, they're more nimble and they're able to move at a faster pace. So it's being able to take those things into consideration. I think 18 months ago, we weren't there. So it was just sort of like a, you know, let's just trial this and see. And that's what we've sort of done. But now that we've had 18 months, um, you know, a couple of quarters under our belt, we can actually go, okay, this makes more sense if we actually, you know, really segment the OBAs and then put that tiering system in place. I love that. So so it's not as much. So the, the, the key takeaway is that it really depends what kind of company you're going after and, and the size of the company and the complexity of the deal. But also, it's not like you would turn to an OBA and be like, okay, if you land these kind of clients, this is what you're going to get. If you land these kinds, this is what you're going to get. I feel like that just confuses the OBA a little bit and brings a little bit a level of complexity. And they'll probably go after the, the ones that they're be- best at um, because they, they feel like they can, they can get the most commission out of that. And I mean, that's the other thing. I think with anything like a hybrid role, like if you're having partial, you know, campaign management and then also the sort of bespoke side, people are going to migrate to what they feel most comfortable or what they get enjoyment out of. And that necess- that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to result in numbers. If you've got a high SQO number, just say 20, but you're targeting the top end of town and might get four, you might be over-indexed on pipeline value, but under-indexed on, on, you know, leads created. So it's, 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 I think, aligning the individual's skill set to wherever they're going to succeed as well is really imperative as a leader. Love that. Love that. Okay. The, the last thing that I wanted to touch on was around, you know, what, what does the career progression of an OBA look like at, uh, at Stripe? Yeah. The, the types of people that we've employed for the role and even globally because, you know, we're sort of at, at the infancy stages is, you know, is really strong. They come in with that. Normally it's just straight out of uni or, you know, first or second role uh, within an organisation and they're really wanting to build into that AE full end, you know, end-to-end sales sort of role. So traditionally we find the OBAs uh, upon joining have already set their career path of uh, of their next step and we always, we strongly encourage having career conversations every six months and majority of them lean into like that, the sales role. So going into a closing position and which is great for us as well, because we're sort of building out what that model looks like, because if, and we've done it once here in Australia, where an OBA has moved into an AE role and we see like the pipeline traction upwards of 30% in comparison to someone that we've employed as a junior stepping into an AE role. So, you know, their cadence around creating deals and signing deals is, is much greater because they've got experience within Stripe under their belt, but also they've got that familiarity of, of what it takes to, you know, to, to get deals done up and then you can sort of you know like train the rest of that um the closing experience as well so yeah we find that a lot of the obas come in with that mindset of i'm here because i want to learn and i want to take that next leap into you know a closing ae role yeah i love that Uh, you know this is a question that um that i get quite a lot where especially smaller organizations who are trying to like maybe do their first sales hire 
And when, when we have a chat, I always say, you know, go for a sales development rep rather than a, you know, an, an account executive or the equivalent in your industry where, you know, an account executive has, has a, could be a very expensive hire. And, but just like you said, when you do that SDR hire, you can train them up and then they can replace you. You probably, if you're a business owner, you can probably close right now. You don't have time to prospect and they can kind of feed you that those opportunities and you close and then gradually you, you kind of promote them and, and it's a much better fit and they have a lot more context, just like you said about the business. I love that. Now, before Haley, uh, before we, I have a couple of rapid questions that I want to ask, but but before we uh, before we get to the rapid questions, is there anything else that that you think it would be valuable for the for people who are listening for us to discuss with regards to the OBA role and and everything else that we discussed that we that I didn't ask? Yeah, I think. For me, the role, like we've learned a lot over the last 18 months and we're starting to get really into that rhythm. And as, as you sort of say, like for, for new businesses, I think it's imperative to get that messaging out and then the rest will follow. So you can sort of, you know, train and, and, and develop individuals as they go through their career. But I think for the, for the OBA, I think the pillars for me around success are really around that pre-work. So who are we targeting and why? I think helps with that success rate. And then, you know, the the outbounding piece, so the calisthenics always working that muscle. And then, yeah, f- for me, I think, you know, I touched on it before, it's just like measuring those trends and finding the right individuals that are transparent and honest enough to actually go to, to own that experience because you need that to just reiterate and continually improve. And that's kind of what's held us in good stead over the last 18 months. Is having Got that it. Got right. it. That actually brings up a question that I, I I like to ask. How do you how do you set up an OBA? How do you how do you, yeah how do you set up an OBA up for success? If you're if you're trying to if you're a manager, what do you need to do before hiring an OBA in order for them to be successful once you do hire them? And I think that this was the challenging part at the start, right, because we didn't know what we didn't know. So that's why we were looking for someone with that next level of experience to help build out that framework. So it's just having someone that is kind of gritty enough and able to pivot when needed to do a multitude of things. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're just going to be focused on that OBA. We're getting to that stage where that we're having that laser focused on those three different areas of the business. But, you know, back at its infancy, we needed someone to be able to sort of bend with the requirements of what we needed to make it work. And for me, it was just instilling that trust and motivation and getting, you know, getting things unblocked. So whether it was the data that needed to be cleaned, you know, how do we go about that? What other to- what other tools do we need? So it was just sort of like, as I sort of mentioned before, it was just like we're flying the plane and building it as well. So we needed someone that was able to sort of roll with those punches. Yeah, that's, that's such a good point because... I think you, you're right. There are, there's a lot that changes in that period. And there is a lot that, you know, could be, could be related to that person's commission structure as well. So now you're all of a sudden playing with someone's uh, livelihood. It becomes a lot more sensitive. So that's, that's a really good point um, of making sure that you set that expectation in advance. And, and even if they're compensation, uh, you need to have, have a think about the compensation, have that earlier rather than when they jump in the role and you're like, hey, this was the target. Oh, crap, we can't do that. Now we've got to change your target and uh, 
and, and the approach is going to be different. And then their, their question is going to be like, so what's going to happen to my commission structure? Because based on the previous model, now you're telling me I'm going to get paid, I don't know, 20% less. And I think it's, you know, as an organization, you need to have that flexibility as well. I mean, you know, we didn't necessarily have it in my experience, but if the data wasn't as as good, I mean, it wasn't good, but if it was really poor, then what did that mean? Like 50% of my time I was spent just cleaning data rather than actually outbounding. So, you know, that has a negative impact to my livelihood. So, you know, it's, it's being able to be able to measure and monitor and and have those transparent conversations, I think. Otherwise, you just don't retain staff if you're not if you're not having those transparent conversation. It, it just ends up, you know, making for a disgruntled employee, which no one wants. Yeah, frustrated and uh, and then out the door. Absolutely. Okay, let's do some rapid questions. I got I got a couple of rapid questions that I want to go through with you. The first one is: What is one resource? It could be a book, it could be a blog, podcast, a talk, whatever it is that that fundamentally has changed the way you work or live. Yeah, I I always go back to a book, Dare to Lead. I don't know if you know it by um, Brene Brown. So choosing courage over comfort. I always find that I'm like, I like to present as a very authentic leader, but, you know, it's always good to be reminded that it's okay to be vulnerable. Like I don't have all of the answers. I think I've demonstrated that today, you know, but I'm curious. Um, I have a passion to con- for continued learning and I-, I like to, you know, demonstrate that in my leadership style. So if I ever feel like I, you know, am losing losing some of that just due to being so busy, I like to refer back to to that book. Going back on a resource that I like to give OBAs and for my new AEs, so the new sales team, is a book called Eat That Frog, which is by uh, Brian Tracy. You're nodding. I think you might know it. So it's just it's that procrastination piece and it's, it's disciplining yourself to do the worst thing first thing every morning. And then over a period of time, it just starts to habituate into your behavior. So you're not just sitting there wasting time thinking about what you should be doing. It's actually just, you know, eating that dirtiest, biggest, ugliest frog first and getting on with your day. I encourage my OBAs and the new newcomers to to read. Yeah, those are both really great resources. I, I, I love it. Okay, question number two, if you could only give one advice to salespeople, OBAs, people in the sales space, what would it be? Given that we've just spent the last 20 minutes about talking about outbounding, I would say keep your pipeline full. The rest will look after itself. Uh, you, you touched on it with small businesses as well. If you're going to employ someone, employ someone who can actually keep the momentum going, keep that pipeline full, you know, you can, you'll be able to close out that business and, and move on. So it's just all around creating leads and, and closing out opportunities. Yeah, have have as many balls in the air as you can, right? Yeah, I, productivity. Pro, what, what was that? Productively, did you say? Yeah, productivity and prioritizing. Absolutely. Okay. What are some of the influencers that you follow in the sales, sales space? I think in the sales space, it would be Kyle Porter. I think he's the CEO of Salesloft, changing the way that we really engage with people individually. And I think that that's changed over the last, you know, five years. And it's about, you know, selling with authenticity, which is key to me. Yeah. So I I really um, sort of 
like following him. And also Aaron Ross, he's written a couple of books, but I think he's really considered in his sales approach, particularly going back to today's environment where, you know, our prospects and our buyers have so much information at their fingertips with the internet. It's just like, you know, how do we change and bring that information into our mould and into the way that we sell, I think is is really imperative to the way that it's, you know, you, you succeed at sales these days. All right. Last thing that I wanted to ask you is, you know, what is something that excites you about the B2B space as a whole today? It has to be technology and payments, obviously, two of my my prized passions. And, you know, I, I look back and we're going through it now again, unfortunately, but, you know, I look back at when COVID started and Stripe in Australia and New Zealand onboarded 10,000 new users. And that was really like, that was an intense time for for the team, an intense time for businesses. So if I look back at the kind of businesses that were, were, you know, reaching out to us, it was really around telehealth. So businesses that, you know, I'm still consulting virtually now, but I have no way, shape or form of taking a payment, like I'm doing it all for free. Or, you know, you're looking at businesses that, you know, butchery or your fruit and veg shop, which is like, I've got these perishable items, how do I, how do I sell them and, and deliver them safely in a COVID environment? So all of that was powered through technology. So I think that, the way that platforms are speaking to platforms and it's been underpinned by payments and using payments as a commodity is really exciting. It's changing the way that consumers behave and buy, and it's also changing the way businesses interact with one another. So for me, I think what excites me about B2B is, I guess it's the the payments infrastructure, but it's also just technology led. It's really an exciting time. No, it's fascinating how, how one technology could could so drastically change a business model and, and approach of a of a company. Uh, that's that's a that's a great point. What Haley, I I really appreciate you jumping on the uh, on the podcast. This has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed every bit of it. I think there's a lot of insights for for the listeners to take away. I think there's a lot of people out there who are looking at building a sales development team or an outbound sales team. So I think there is going to be a lot of golden nuggets in here for them to. Uh, dig through and, and listen to. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thanks for having me. And I hope, I, yeah, I hope you found it insightful. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support and we're looking forward to seeing you again in the next one.